Amen. If you have your Bible here today, uh, you can open it up to the book of Philemon. And uh, we are going to look at a message that's called, entitled, I Pray. And today I want to look at a prayer that Paul the Apostle prayed. And, uh, and he starts off with this phrase, I pray. Now, what's the big deal about this, about this prayer? What, what, what makes it so important? Um, I believe, as I read this, and not only as I read this, but as I personally have experienced this, I believe that when you pray this prayer, not only will it change your life, I believe it's going to change many other people's lives. There's no about it, and I've seen it happen. Now, I want to tell you, if you pray this prayer, it's not a safe prayer, but it is a biblical prayer, and it is a prayer that will bring about great change in your life. And, and if you, it, not only if you don't just, you pray, but you say, God, I want this to happen in my life, I believe it's going to bring great meaning to your life as well. I believe a lot of time God's people and their prayers are very small. They're very safe. But, but I want to, as, as, as God's son, I want to be able to pray prayers that are big, that are bold, that are specific, that are inspiring, that are faith-filled, that God will hear, that God will respond to, and God will be honored by. Paul prayed a very specific prayer. And God responded to it. Now, when you look at his prayers, he prays something very specific. He says, I pray, okay, he says, I pray so that. I pray so that because he's wanting to achieve a very specific ending. He was looking for a desired result to come in the end. He wants us to be able to pray specifically and with, for, with faith. But I believe that God wants us to take us to another level when it comes to our prayer life. I know this, that many of our prayers are very small. Uh, very, you know, God, uh, help me to have a good day. Uh, uh, some of our prayers are, 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 are very selfish. And even some of our prayers are even very funny. Uh, I, I've been at many people's homes and around many gatherings around Christians and to give thanks when it comes to the food that's on the table. And, uh, and they pray this prayer. Oh God, bless this food to the nourishment of our body. How many have heard that prayer before or even prayed that prayer before? Now, I've seen how some of you have eaten or how you eat. And... Uh, and when I look at what is on, on that plate, or what's, what's and been on my plate, I'm very guilty of this as well, uh, and what, what, looking at the, the stuff that is not so healthy, I mean, God, would you bless, you know, uh, this three pounds of butter that I have on my pancakes here this morning, okay? I mean, that takes a lot of faith for that to be able to happen, right? So... We're, we're, we're going to look at something, that a prayer that I'm praying for you and I'm praying for me. And it's there in your notes. And it's there in Philemon. Let's read it together. Paul prays, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Why? Because I hear about your faith on the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now the saints, by the way, 
are God's people. By the way, that's just another way of, you didn't know this, you don't have to be Catholic to make it to sainthood, okay? We're called saints, believe that or not. Does that kind of, some of you didn't know that, but we're saints if we're God's sons and daughters. He says, now he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. I pray, I pray, okay, here it is, so that you may be active in sharing your faith, okay? Why? So that you and I will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Are you catching that? Now, I want to kind of go ahead. I want to give some background uh, to, to this to this verse, and I want to, in fact, I, I got to go to verse 7. Can I get up verse 7? I'm missing it. And he says right here, he says, your love, and he's talking about finally, but your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So, very good. Now, let's take a look at this here this morning. Finally, then, who was this guy? And we know this, that this is the first and really only letter that Paul writes that is very personal in nature. Most of the Paul's letters are written to churches and to a few church leaders, but this one is very short. In fact, I really want to encourage you to read this. If you've never read it before, it's really a great letter. But Philemon is basically a wealthy businessman, and uh, he was in the church of Colossae, the Colossian church. If you look to the letter of Colossians, okay, Paul writes a letter to them. There's four chapters right there. And uh, this guy was a part of this church, and he was a guy who hosted a life group, okay? He was the one that had people over to his home, and it was a small house church that met in his home. And one of his slaves by the name of Onesimus, had run away. This guy, this slave, uh, had run away. He had basically taken some of his possessions. We don't know what he had taken, but he had taken something of, of, uh, of, of this guy, of, of Philemon's possessions. And not only did he take something, but he ran away. Now, this guy was a fugitive on the run. If he was to be caught he would be in serious trouble because, now, slavery was very pervasive in that time of history. There were slaves all over the world. Now, slavery is still happening in this world, not nearly as much as it was back at this time. And now, this is a whole different sermon. Is the Bible justifying slavery? Uh, no, it doesn't do that. But he doesn't get specifically into this. But I want you to see something. If you were a slave and, and you took something and you ran away, you were in, you were in, in deep trouble. In fact, the slave had no rights. Uh, if the slave owner was mad enough and he wanted to bring about justice, he could go ahead and kill you with no repercussions. So this guy by the name of Onesimus runs away. He has something there and he makes this long journey. He hears about that Paul is in Rome. 
And uh, he takes this long journey and, and, and miraculously finds Paul. But during this journey, he doesn't know Christ. He doesn't know the Lord. And, and there's a connection that happens. And, and they begin to talk. And Paul, the apostle, leads this, this slave, this fugitive, to the Lord. And, I mean, he is major changed. I mean, transformed, I mean, just totally in his life. And, and Anisius is, is saying, man, I've got, you know what? I did something wrong to my slave. I, I took something from him, and I need to make some things right. And, and uh, he says, I have to go back. I've I, I got to make this journey and make things right. And then Paul writes a heartfelt letter to Philemon. And he goes ahead and he's talking to him. He says, I got to tell you about this guy right here. This guy that was, that w- he was a slave of yours. You wouldn't believe what's happened in his life. God has so transformed and, and changed his life. And he says, Philemon, you have to check him up. In fact, I want you to go ahead and receive him like you would be receiving me. And so it's an, it's an awesome letter. So he wants to, to go ahead and he wants to make things right. So he writes this, uh, this letter saying, this guy is good. Now I want to take a, a close look at Paul's prayer. Here this morning. Well, we'll look at here at verse 4, 5, and 6. And I want to make a couple of comments on each verse. Verse 4, Paul says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Okay, by the way, this is a very good thing to do when you are spending time with God to bring this, this element of prayer into your life. It's, it's giving thanks. And one of the things that we can give thanks for is for the people of God that, that, that God has brought into our life that have made a positive effect in our life. And God says it's a good thing to give thanks. And I would say this to all of us. Uh, a person with a thankful heart, okay, is, is able to guard their heart and I'll and also to be able to show God gratitude. And, and I, I, I want to ask you a question. Do, is it part of your prayer life to where you thank God? Say, God, I thank you, Lord, for my husband. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my parents. Thank you for my brothers. I thank you for my sisters. Now, now personally for me, uh, this one is not difficult. Uh, there's good people that are around me. Uh, number one, my wife. Uh, I thank God all the time, okay? I, she has made me a better person, a better Christian, uh, a better husband, a better father, even helping me be a better pastor and a person. I, I thank God for that lady. She has been a, a tremendous blessing. I thank God for my kids, okay? Even when they're naughty and bad and when they're, and I thank God for them. I thank God for my parents who are still alive. In fact, I thank God for my dad who, who turns 80 years old today. So if you see John Rarick here coming in today, he's been hurting a lot. Just bless him. Say happy birthday, John. And I thank God for my dad, my, my parents. I, I, I thank God for my brothers and sisters. I thank God for you guys. 
trust me when I say this. I thank God for, I thank God for, the, for my Calvary church family, my brothers and sisters. Yes, I'm your pastor, but also you're my brother and sister. I, I thank you so much for the encouragement and the notes and the phone calls and the gifts and all those. I thank God for the pastors here, the church, my brothers, my band of brothers, and, and, and the board that's here uh, that, that, that surround me. I thank God for them. And you know what? And it just helps keep me in a good state of mind. And, and I want to say to you, you say, well, a lot of times we, you think, well, man, these people aren't really, you know, my husband really isn't that good, or my, my wife really isn't that good, my kids aren't really that good. I understand it, but not all of every part of them is bad. Find the good things and say, God, I thank you, Lord, for what they're doing in my life. In fact, we can even thank God, listen to this, for the people that rub us the wrong way. For the people, is there any people that just get on your nerves? Tough personalities. Come on, is there anybody that challenges you? We thank God for the even the tough ones. Why? Here it is, folks. Write this down. They're the sandpaper of our lives. They're the sandpaper of our lives. God will send people into your life who are sandpaper, who will rub you the wrong way. What are they doing? God is using those people to sand off the rough edges in your life. If you're really serious about being a follower of Christ, you say, I really want to become more like Christ. I want to be more patient. I want to be more loving. God says, okay, I'm going to send some people into your life. And they're going to assist you in your development to be more like me. Yes, even the tough people. So why is Paul thanking God? Right here in verse 5, he says, because I hear about your faith. I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the, the saints. What is this faith in Christ producing? Love for the saints. This guy... For, for the house church and for, uh, for the people that he was around, he just loved his brothers and sisters. He was, even though he was a very successful businessman, he loved the people. And he says right here, he says, he says, Philemon, I hear. I'm getting word. This, this was his reputation. He had a reputation of loving God's people. Okay, and his reputation within the church was to refresh and encourage his brothers and sisters. I ask you this question. What is your reputation here at Calvary? Is it helpful or hurtful? Uh, or do you even have a reputation in the church? Because I would tell you this. There's a lot of people that go to the church, not just here, but in the church in America that really have no reputation within the church. Yeah, I come to church on Sunday mornings. I'm quiet. I worship. I listen to the pastor. I give a little bit, but I really don't make any waves. I don't make any noise. I'm just kind of anonymous, and then I just leave. Come on, you got to get some kind of reputation, okay? God wants us to somehow to be involved. Now, what do you, what, what's my reputation? What do I want? My, can I tell you about my reputation, what I would like it to be? It's out there on the wall when you walk, when you come into, into the service each Sunday. This is something I, I'm praying about. I haven't reached it, but I'm growing towards it, and I'm praying for it. Here, here it is. I'm praying, God... I want to extravagantly love your son. And God, I want to, 
I, I, with my brothers and sisters, I want to selflessly love people. This is what I, I, I hope that, that when, when I, when, if Jesus doesn't come back, that my kids will be able to say, my wife will be able to say, the people that I pastored, the people I was around, that, that Mike Rarick really loved Jesus, and he really loved people. He loved the saints as well as the sinners. That's what, that's what I, I pray in my reputation. And he goes on and he says right here, and I want you to see now the bold prayer. I pray, here it is. This is, this is big, it's bold, and this is what he's praying for, for Onesius. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Now, the question I ask this, why is he praying this? Okay, there's two reasons, okay? I want you to write this down if you can find uh, room in your notes. Two reasons, okay? Number one, we know Philemon, okay, was reaching out to the saints. I mean, he was very connected to the body of Christ. To, and, uh, and he was a great encourager. And uh, he was doing really well in that area. So he gives them that a boy. He says, man, you're doing absolutely awesome. But there was someone, there was a group of people that he wasn't really doing too well in. And he encouraged them. He says, you're doing well with the saints. He says, but don't forget about those who are outside of God's family, the sinners who, who, I, who need to be in God's family. Don't forget about those who are not yet in God's family. He was inward, but he wasn't outward. There's many people that do great in the church. They're, they're, they're loving the body. I mean, they're loving their brothers and the sisters, and, and they do really well, okay, in the church. But when it comes outside of the wall, when it comes to sharing their faith, this is one of their biggest struggles in their walk with God. So he's praying this, okay, to become outward. And then number two, he says he's praying this, he says, so that they can have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ, okay? So he, he's making an equation. He said, if we learn how to share our faith, he says, we're going to be able to understand what we have in Christ. And I'm going to talk to you about the importance of that. So he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Underline that, circle that word active there in your notes, in your Bible. I want to kind of give you a little bit of stats. Uh, what, 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 is, what does it look like in the church in America when it comes to sharing our faith. LifeRay Research found out that 80% of those who attend church uh, one or more times a month believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. So those who are going to the church, okay, 80% believe that they're responsible to share their faith. The other 20% they don't believe it's their responsibility. But 80% believe it's their responsibility to share their faith. Now, out of that 80%, 61% have not told another person about how to become a Christian in the previous six months. So, uh, so that means that, that basically only 19%, if, I, if I'm looking at my math right there, are sharing their faith on somewhat of a regular basis, okay? Now, look at what the Bible says in Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone 
preaching to them. And that someone is you and me. Okay, it's not just the pastor. It's not just the evangelist. It's not just the prophet. It's not just the apostle. It's not just the teacher. It's not the fivefold. They're part of it. It's the whole church. He says, how can they, meaning those who are unchurched, unsaved, they hear unless someone is preaching to them. Now, here's a question. Why are God's people not active in sharing their faith? Now, there's a number of reasons why, and I wrote these down, and uh, you may agree with these, but I, I, and I know for some of them, there's two of them for sure that is major. Uh, number one, here it is. I believe that's happened in America, especially in the South. They already heard. They know. Now, we, these first two, we don't, we don't necessarily say these out loud, but we think these. Uh, well, they go to church already, and they've heard about God. They've heard about Christ. They've heard about the cross. They know already. And I want to say this. Listen to those who don't share their faith, and you've made that assumption. They know already. Do not assume that. I went to a church for 19 years, and I never in, the, in that church once heard the gospel. I did hear about you can get to heaven by being a good person, but I never heard about the significance of the cross. There are many churches in America that are not preaching the cross. So don't make that assumption. Number two, it's the preacher's job, and I'm not a preacher. Oh, yeah, they don't, they don't say it, but, but it's, it's there in our heart. And here's, here's the biggest reason why. Uh, I, there's no question in my mind. Number three, fear of ridicule and rejection. I mean, fear of ridicule. I, basically, I don't want to be that weird person telling people, you know, you know turn or burn, you know, I, you know repent and, and be baptized. I don't want to be that person that's just kind of out there. You know, it's weird people that do that. And number four, I don't know what to say or how to start. Basically, if I understood more, then I would share my faith. There's a lot of people that think that. But Paul, I want you to see something. Paul is implying that through this prayer, that's not what happens. When you share your faith, there's something that happens. Here's what happens. When you share your faith, you begin to understand more. Okay, I want, you to, I want you to see this here on the screen. I want, I want you to see this. When, when, we, when we, we begin to pray this prayer for other people and we pray for, uh, for ourselves, when we begin to share the gospel, we share our testimony, okay, there's something powerful that begins to happen. It goes from sharing our lives, then it goes to lives, Okay. Those lives, when we, the Bible says the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. So there is no question when, when God's Word is shared, it is having an effect on someone's life. You say, well, I, I've done that. And I haven't seen them get saved yet. Trust me when I say this. Uh, when, when you are sharing, God is at work in a person's heart, okay? And, and there's times, there will be times where we're just planting a seed. 
uh, and someone's going to come behind us, and they're going to share, and, and it's through that sharing, they're, they're watering. Okay, the seed's been planted, and now the, and then someone else comes along, and they're watering. In fact, basically what, they're, what we're finding out for a person to really come to Christ and to understand, it takes about seven, seven to eight times before a person really, all of a sudden, voila, I understand what you're talking about. I could totally identify that. I mean, it took me a lot more than seven or eight times before all of a sudden the light went on. Okay, then, so lives are changed, and then what happens, okay, is we begin to understand, okay, what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a greater understanding of how God works. There's a greater understanding of God's word. There's a greater understanding of who God is. And then the next one is we, 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 become, we, we become outward, and, and we, we just don't think about ourselves. We just don't think about just our brothers and sisters in the church. And we want to be thinking about our brothers and sisters. But now our gaze is not just is here, but it's, we're thinking about the people that God's thinking about. And then we begin to reach outward. And then, and then, then we go back to the share again. Okay, and, and, and we have this desire to share even more. And then as we share more, then more lives begin to change. And, and then greater understanding. And then we become even more outward. But folks, when we do the opposite, when we don't share, lives aren't changed. We really don't understand what we have through Christ. Okay, and then we become inward. And we don't realize the life that God has for us. My challenge for you this day is, here it is. I want you to pray this prayer. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, but first of all, pray it for yourself. God, I pray, God, that God, that you would give me an outward faith, God, that would reach out, God, that I would share my faith. Now, I want to, uh, uh, God, I, I, God, I'm asking, in fact, not only do I want you to, I, this week, f- starting today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and next Sunday. I want to I give you a seven-day challenge. I pray that, you, God, I, God, I want to share my faith today. God, would you open up doors for me? Now, I want to give you a warning. If you pray this prayer, here's a warning. God's going to open up some doors. Okay, I promise, I mean, if you mean it, I, I promise you there's going to be some opportunities. God's going to say, here it is right before you. And, and, and you're going to be either a seed planter, you're going to water, and, and maybe you might even be part of the harvest. This person may want to surrender their life to the Christ. And, and, and that is the funnest part of all. So opportunities, I guarantee you, will come. Well, some of you are saying, well, pastor, I, I really... This area about sharing right up there, I just don't feel equipped. I don't know what to do. I want to give something to you that is so easy. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism. But all four of these we can do. Every single one here in this room. And I want you to write write these down. Four ways to share your faith. Number one, you can be loving and direct. It can be very loving and direct. That means you can tell it like it is. You know they're a sinner. And they need to get saved. They're a heathen. And they need God. Peter, the apostle, on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he preaches to a crowd of thousands. 
And he call, listen, this guy calls them, uh, I mean, in, in a way, not judgmental, but he just tells it like, a, he says, you're wicked, you're, you're, you're sinners, and, and, and he, preaches, he preaches to them, and they're, and they're so cut to the heart, and they say, what should we do? And listen to this word, he says, here, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That means that we can just tell people like it is. You know what? You're wicked, man. You're, 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 you're a heathen, man, to the court. And folks, I'm going to tell you, this has been a lot of times for me personally, this is for, for the 38 years that I've been, I, I've been very direct, okay? Uh, that's part, but you can do this in a very loving way. Here's the key to it, okay? Number one, to be able to share your faith, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Okay, and, and I, would, I would encourage you, as you pray this week, God, would you open up doors so I can share my faith? And God, would you give me a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit? Peter did this under the, under the, the, the Holy Spirit. And so you, you, you're led by the Holy Spirit. And there will be times where, I mean, boom, man, it's just, you're direct, you're looking them right in the eye. Man, you're, you, you need Jesus, brother, sister, you're, you're wicked. You're bad. I mean, the only one that, the only hope for you is Jesus. You need to repent. Okay. Here's the other one. And some of you say, there's no way I could do that. Well, you can if you have the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to trust Him. You just be willing to be filled and to be led by Him. Number two, you can share your story. Do you have a story? Do you have a story? Do you have a testimony? of what your life was like before Christ, B.C., okay, and then after Jesus came in. Okay, I believe everyone here that is a follower of Christ, you have a story. God has done something significant in your life. In John chapter 9, there was a man who had been born blind. Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath, which was taboo. He was, you know, he was and the religious leaders were up in arms about what is this guy doing? He's in the, in, in the temple. He's healing people. Uh, and this guy, if he was really of God, he wouldn't be doing this on the Sabbath day. And so they put some pressure on this guy, the religious leaders. And uh, he says here in verse 25, he, and he says, whether he, talking about Jesus, is a sinner. They're, say, they're trying to ask him, how did this happen? Is a sinner or not? I don't know. He says, one thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. That was his testimony. And that, that's a testimony of everyone here in this room has become a, a follower. Spiritually speaking, all of us here in this room were blind. But there was a day that there was light that came into our life, and now we can see. There are people here in this room that were former alcoholics. Uh, into drugs, uh, pornography, you were liars, cheaters, and whatever it is, you had a history, and God not only forgave you, but God set you free, and, and, and you, you've received his joy and his peace in his life. I don't know, but I, just, I don't understand very much, but I know this, this is what God has done in my life. Your testimony is so powerful. Number three, you can invite people to church. And I mean the unsaved and the unchurched. There's a lot of people in America that most of America, okay, is not going to church on Sunday morning. It's a fact, okay? 
And I want to encourage you, in fact, this coming Sunday to invite someone to come to our together service. It's going to be awesome. This is one of those services I would say, if, there, if you were ever to invite someone to church, this coming Sunday. Invite people to church. Uh, Jesus is in a conversation and with this lady. She's at a well. And uh, she's a Samaritan, and uh, she's been married five times, okay? And she's on husband number six. And, and so he asked this lady, hey, could you go ahead? Could you get some water for me? And, 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 and from that, there's a discussion that ensues. And, and Jesus is reading her. He knows all about her life. And he's telling the story about what's going on and how she thinks. And she recognizes, this guy's it. He's a prophet. In fact, I, I come to understand, not only is he a prophet, but he's the Messiah. He's been the one that the Jews have been talking about. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, she went back to the town, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So she's telling the whole town, guess what? The whole town came out and followed her. Who is this guy? Thomas Rainer, um, who does polls and 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 speaks to a lot of people. It's called the Rainer Report. He says, I came across, this relates to unchurched and unsaved people. He says, five, he says I, I went to all 50 states here in the United States, and with a number of people, we went towards, I mean, a, a lot of people that were unchurched, unsaved, professionals, unpro, you know, people that were doctors, people that were uneducated, the poor, the rich, all that, a very large cross-section of people from different ethnic groups and all that, and, and began to interview them, uh, uh, you know, about church, about Christians, and about a number of things. And here's what he, here's what he found out. He says, he says, five surprises. I'm going to read to you three of them. He says, most of, surprise number one, most of the unchurched prefer to attend on Sunday morning if they attend. Surprise number one. Surprise number two. This one was really surprising to me. Most people feel guilty about not attending church. Okay? And, and, and the ones especially that feel guilty are the ones that have parents. Uh, I mean, that, that are parents that have kids, excuse me, and, 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 their, and their kids are, are there Sunday morning, and they're not taking their kids because they, they, they know that church would be good for their kids. But, why are, but they're still not coming. Do you know why they're not coming? Many of them feel very intimidated that have been away from a church for a long time or haven't been really in church in, in years or decades, feel like they can't fit in. They don't know if people would welcome them, it's, so I say this, remember, every time that we come together on a Sunday morning, you see someone you don't recognize, welcome them. Be nice to them. Be kind. It's so important. But here's, here's the biggest surprise of all. He said 96% of the unchurched are at least in somewhat way likely to attend church if they are simply invited can I read that to you again? 96% of the unchurched are, are at the least somewhat likely to attend church if they are invited. That means not, more than 9 out of 10 people will come to a church service if they're simply asked, hey, would you come to church with me? Love to have you come. Come on, sit with me. Now, now, personally, I mean, I tell people about Jesus, I share the gospel, and I invite people to church. Now, now I'm the pastor of the church. 
Now, what do you say? Now, when, when I meet people and I'm here in Citrus County, wherever I'm at, uh, can I tell you, I don't, there, I don't tell people that I'm the pastor. I just don't. I don't tell them I'm a pastor. I, I, I tell them I'm a follower of Christ. I mean, he's made a difference in my life. But I say, you got to come to our church. you got to come to Calvary Church. This is where I go to church at. And, uh, and, and I can't go to them, you know, you got to come and hear the pastor, you know. Uh, my mom and dad told, you know, told me, I'm a really good, you got to come and hear this guy. I mean, I can't do that. And so uh, there's been plenty of people that has come through the years and, uh, and uh, that just, just simply because of invitation, I was hearing about a pastor uh, just recently who invited uh, a guy to uh, his church. And uh, he was at the gym working out and uh, struck up a conversation. He says, man, you got to come to my church, I mean, to where I go at. And he didn't tell me he was a pastor. He says, come. He says no, I'm not really into the church thing. He says, now, come on, just come once. You, gotta, you just got to do this. Man, it's a, it's a great place to go, man. You'll, you'll, you'll love it there. He says, come on. He, he, says, uh, he says, all right. He says, listen, I, I want to meet you Sunday morning. I sit in the front row. He says, man, get there about this time. Make sure. So this guy comes, and, and he's not a church person, doesn't, doesn't worship God or whatever. And this guy, I mean, the music and the worship team, and I mean, it's awesome. And he's, he says, man, he says, he says the, the worship, he says, the, this is really awesome, man. And then, and he's getting ready, all of a sudden, he's getting ready. He says, I'll be back in about 35 minutes. And he gets up there, and the guys look at me, his jaw, he says, you're the, he says, I thought you were in construction, you know. So, folks, I could just tell you this. It really will work. I just, just think about this. Uh, statistics show this, estimate that there are about 160 million people in the United States who are unchurched, but only 21% of, of active church, or 19% of active churchgoers invite someone to church in the course of a year. God will use you if you're willing. And number four, how can you be, how, how can you share your faith? Here it is. You can live a life that others will want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can live a life that others... This is talks about your relationship with God. And I pray that your relationship with God is authentic and real. You know, we're all here. We make mistakes. We still sin. Uh, we, we, still, we still... We don't have it all together. We'll have it together when Jesus comes back. But I look at the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Paul was preaching the gospel and uh, sharing his faith. And, uh, uh, and the story goes, I mean, he, he met opposition and he was arrested. He was beaten badly. He was whipped. Uh, he's there in jail. And... Uh, and, and it says it was around the midnight hour. It, I mean, he was, be, I mean, it was a bad beat. I mean, he was caned. He was in a lot of pain. And it says that in the midnight hour that Paul and Silas, they were just worshiping God. And the jailer heard it. I mean, I mean, Paul, they're singing in the midst of pain, in the midst of being, they're worshiping God. And, and then all of a sudden, something supernatural happens. The, the doors fly open. I mean, an angel visits, and, and, and the guy goes, oh, no. He says, these guys are going to escape, and, and then it's my life. You know, I'm responsible for them. And Paul says, settle down. So he says, We're, I'm not running away. And, and, he's, and he says right here, he says, I want what you have. What must I do to be saved? 
He says, there's something that you have that I want. And folks, I'm believing how we live our lives, our relationship with him will cause people to take a look at our lives. I either want what he has or I don't want what he has. I heard this statement. There was a book that I've been reading uh, this last couple of weeks. And it was this quote, and this one so just rocked me. And it says this, the best argument for Christianity is Christians. The strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. So that means you and I have the ability to be a light that shines really bright in a dark area. Or we can be a light that barely shines. I was reading a story about Gandhi. I think many of you know who he was. Very powerful figure. Made a major impact in the country of India. And uh, was a Hindu. But this man was very interested in Christ. Now remember, uh, it was just, he, he, in fact, it was this, this statement he totally backs up. You know, the best argument for Christianity is Christians and the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. Let me read you a little bit of part of the story. Although Hindu, Gandhi had a very close connection with Christianity and admired Jesus very much often quoting from his favorite sermon on the mount found in Matthew 5 through 7. When the missionary E. Stanley Jones met with Gandhi, he asked him, Mr. Gandhi, though you quote the words of Christ often, why is it that you appear to so adamantly reject becoming his follower? Gandhi replied, oh, I don't reject Christ. I love Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike Christ. If Christians, he says, he says, if Christians would really live according to the teachings of Christ as found in the Bible, all of India would be Christian today. Gandhi's closeness with Christianity began when he was a young man practicing law in South Africa. Apart from being attached... <laughs> With the Christian faith, he intently studied the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. And he was also seriously exploring becoming a Christian, which led him to, to a discovery of a small church gathering in his locality. After deciding to attend the church service in South Africa, he came across a racial barrier. The church barred his way at the door. Where do you think you are going, Kafar? which meant black man. It was a very derogatory term. An Englishman asked Gandhi in a belligerent tone. Gandhi replied, I'd like to attend worship here. The church elder snarled at him. There's no room for coffers here in this church. Get out of here or I'll have my assistants throw you down the steps. This infamous incident forced Gandhi to never again consider being a Christian, but rather adopt what we, he found in Christianity and its founder, Jesus Christ. Wow. This guy was an awesome leader, like him or not, had the potential to become the Christ, but was turned away because of, quote, Christians. So the best argument for Christianity is how we live our lives. Three things I want to just real quickly. When you share your faith, Three things will happen. Number one, 
you will play a part in a divine story. You and I get to play a part. It won't necessarily make the history books, but folks, it sure does make history. When you and I begin to plant Okay, uh, the gospel seed water, the gospel seed, or are part of the harvest. We are part of a divine story. Number two, your faith will grow. When you begin to share your faith, and you're serious about, uh, uh, about as a follower of Christ, all of a sudden, those, those scriptures that you've been reading, uh, there will be a verse that comes to, to your mind and, and you'll share a verse. Right, I mean, it just comes. Or there will be an illustration or a story or some type of an analogy. I mean, it just comes to you. And it will be, and, and what happens when you do that, as you're telling the story, the gospel story and illustrations and, and scriptures and, and, and illustrations, all of a sudden it's making it more and more clear to the person that you're sharing with, okay? The light is becoming more on and they're beginning to see. It brings clarification. And then it brings conviction because they see where they're at. And when you're doing this, all of a sudden, you, I, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, where did that come from? And you're saying, that came from the Holy Spirit. He's the one that brought it to our mind. And we begin to grow. Okay, we grow in our faith. I've seen this happen so many times. People that go on missions trips, by the way, through the years that, that have taken people on missions trips, I mean, and, and we're out there. I mean, it's almost like every single day we're knocking on doors, we're, we're sharing their faith, and I see more people growing during that time is when they're sharing their faith. They're growing in their faith. And number three, you are reminded of what you have in Christ. You have an understanding. Now, there are people here who were once very passionate about Jesus, very passionate about Jesus, but now you're not very passionate about Jesus. Why not? Because one reason why is when you came to know the Lord and you received his forgiveness and how wonderful that was, you began to tell other people about that, and you were excited about God. Uh, and, and there was reasons. I don't know why you stopped sharing your faith. But when you stop sharing your faith, the understanding begins to diminish. But when you share your faith, something happens on the inside of us. You see, when you're telling the gospel, you're telling about forgiveness. You're telling about good news. You're telling them about the promises of God. You're telling them about God's peace. And, and you're telling them about relationship. You're telling them about love. And when you're telling that, you're hearing this as well. And all of a sudden, yeah, this used to be me. I remember someone telling me about Jesus. And that's the way that we grow in our understanding with Christ. Now, I wanna, uh, now I've given you a challenge to pray this prayer, but I'm going to give you a a reason why. John chapter 4, I want to read this scripture, two different versions, and then we're going to pray. John chapter 4, verse 35, why pray this prayer? Jesus said this, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Do you think, here, verse 35 from the Living Bible, do you think that the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now 
for the reaping. Jesus said there are people, all kinds of people here in Citrus County that are ready to be saved. He says they're there. They're, they're, it's ripe right now. And a lot of times, here's something that goes on what keeps us, oh, they don't want to hear about this. Although oh, they'll just think I'm a weird person, whatever, if I share this. I want to say anything that comes to your mind that's, that's, that keeps you from sharing the gospel, I want to tell you, that we, you know where that voice is coming from? It's coming from the pit of hell, speaking to your flesh. And God's saying, I want you to go ahead, take a step forward and reach out and go to their world and represent me. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of what you have in Christ. Let's pray.